Raised on D&D Podcast helps enrich your family's gaming experience by bringing you interviews with parents, educators, game designers, and influencers. Join us as we delve into the many ways that tabletop role-playing games inspire creativity, develop communication skills, and create lasting bonds among players. Your host has been an avid gamer since childhood, and now his kids are being raised on D&D. Here's your host, Nick Cartarelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cartarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest currently lives in Belgium. She's a writer, designer, and game master of family-friendly tabletop role-playing games. She's the creator of Heroes of Ayastera Adventures. You have seen her on Twitch as the game master of both Heroes of Ayastera and Outpost 5. She is a founding member of the Bard Commune. She has a Kickstarter for a new family-friendly tabletop role-playing game. Please welcome Scriv the Bard. Hello, hello. Thank you so much. That was a wonderful intro. <laughs> Thanks, Griff. Thanks for being on the show today. Uh, we're so excited about all the projects that you got coming up, and we're oh so excited to hear about the Kickstarter. But before we jump into all of that, can mm-hmm. you take us back to your very first experience with tabletop role-playing games and how your love for Dungeons & Dragons all began? Oh, yes. So I have been in this world for about, oh gosh, I guess seven to eight years, not as long as some, but definitely just as exciting and passionate, I think. I had been wanting to play Dungeons and Dragons for so long. Since my teenage years, I'd been so excited about it and so curious, but I never really knew anyone who did it, who played it. I didn't know any GMs. And of course, that's one of those first big uh, stumbling blocks. So it wasn't until about seven, eight years ago that one of my uh, coworkers brought it up and said, hey, would you want to try Dungeons and Dragons? And I could not say yes, 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 please. Yes. Fast enough. So uh, they very, very kindly ran a Halloween one shot uh, for for our little friend group. They DM'd. I played the very typical first character stoic ranger who only really enjoyed talking to animals. Uh, but it was such a good time. I had such a fantastic experience and I was hooked. So not long after that, actually, I started my uh, years long phase of being a forever TM. <laughs> Uh, I was so inspired by the story and the whole feeling of collaborative storytelling that I started developing the world of Ayasera at that point. Wow, that's incredible. So I've been exploring this world for a number of years now. Um, It's the homebrew setting of choice, of course, for me. And every game that I've run for D&D has been in Ayastera. So it's, it just kind of snowballed from there, from the games to kids workshops and then to today. So you have, uh, you have this one shot, uh, Halloween special with a coworker mm-hmm. and that's it. You're hooked. 
And I was sold j- immediately. <laughs> and then you just jump behind the DM screens like ah. I've got to, I've got to make up my whole world and start running yeah. this. And it, it just <laughs> snowballs. It just uh, it immediately. I and stayed so, up so late the night afterwards with my notebook. Cause I usually write things out physically before it goes onto the computer. I spent so much time just thinking, okay, well, what if this, what about that? How does magic work? All the different world building things that I could think of. That is incredible. And what is the composition of your table? Is it friends? Is it family? Is it coworkers? Mostly friends. Just friends I had made through gaming and learning more. Uh, a couple of coworkers uh, and local friends. Yeah. Now, do you start playing? Start off playing at the table, or do you start off playing online with people? At the table. Very much at the table, though, of course, these days, so much transitions to online. And I think that different platforms make it a lot easier to do so. But for me, nothing beats being around the table, feeling that energy from your fellow players, seeing people get into it with their facial expressions and snacks, too. I'm, I'm a big fan of table snacks. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Nothing does compare to sitting around that table, having everyone gather together, whether it's at home or out and about somewhere and getting to sit down and just the the camaraderie and the energy, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, makes for an amazing gaming experience. Now, there's a lot of off-story chatter in between and maybe mm-hmm. some Monty Python jokes in there every once in a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so all of that, but nothing beats being around the table. Mm-mm. So you just dive right into being a dungeon master and you find yourself becoming the forever GM and you created your own setting. But then... You start running games for children and families. So tell us a little bit about how that transition happened from gaming with your gaming buddies Mm -hmm. to family-friendly tabletop role-playing games. Absolutely. So through this journey, as I'm meeting more and more people, trying to find all the different friendly local game stores that I can find, I, through that journey, made friends with people who worked at a bookstore and had a games department. And conveniently enough, they were uh, looking for different programs and different ideas for family-friendly activities. So I have a lot of siblings. I'm the eldest of many. Um, and I've, I've worked with kids over time. So my professional background is actually as a cultural psychologist. So I really enjoy seeing how those different things come into play. And I've always been super nerdy about the educational use of storytelling and how that can pull people in. So when I was talking to my friends at at the time at the bookstore, I was thinking, well, you're looking for D&D stuff, right? well, I have this idea for a workshop, for a storytelling workshop. So I pitched it to them. They helped me develop it a little bit more. And then two weeks later, (laughs) did an intro uh, a a day. It was like a game launch night for family-friendly stuff because they were reinvigorating their kids' department. So I did some intro D&D sessions for kids and their parents if they wanted to get involved. 
That went so well that we then decided to launch the workshop series. So the focus of the workshop series was actually teaching kids how to tell stories, but using Dungeons and Dragons as the vehicle for doing so. That is incredible. And you're absolutely right. The educational potential for uh, Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role playing is limitless, absolutely limitless. Um, I, I know in my own family, we've taught it. We've used it not only to uh, teach simple mathematics and, uh, and reading comprehension, but more importantly, we've used it to teach uh, social interaction yes. and uh, communication skills. Mm-hmm. And uh, my children even will even tell you that playing around the table and getting to be in those scenarios where they're interacting with NPCs or even villains taught them how to interact with people out in our community, um, mm-hmm. whether it's the shopkeep or the cashier at the grocery store, uh, they were they learned those nuances and it was a safe environment where they could kind of experiment. Do I want to intimidate uh, this NPC into helping me, or do I want to try and uh, try and use more verbal judo to get out of this conflict? And those kind of skills help them yeah. tremendously. So first of all, I love the phrase verbal judo. If it's okay with you, I might actually use that (laughs) moving forward in other ways. And I wish on the podcast, people could somehow hear me ferociously nodding my head at everything that you're saying. Um, Absolutely. So from communication skills to inter and intrapersonal skills, these are all things that we tried to focus on in that workshop series. And I think one of the moments where I felt the most fulfilled and proud of that program, but also of the kids, because I ended up continuing to work with those kids. There were two groups who made it through the workshops because it was a three-part series. And those groups enjoyed it so much that they wanted to continue on for a campaign. So it just continued to evolve and, and grow. But let me backtrack a little bit. One of the things that made me the happiest was when a mother came up uh, in the middle of the work. I think we were on session two of the workshop or um, no, we had just finished. And she said, my kids reading scores in school have improved. And I think that it's partially due to what you're teaching in these workshops and the experience they're having with these other kids, because you're looking at analyzing stories in a different way, understanding perspectives, uh, inner uh, internal dialogue, um, monologue, uh, all of those different things, description, exposition. We went through the whole introduction, rising action, climax, falling action, resolution, all of those different story structures. And the kids were so into it. And then as we were continuing on with the campaigns, hearing things like, well, they want to read more now, or they're gaining confidence with being able to make their opinions known. And for some of the uh, girls at the table coming into it, thinking that D&D was for boys and now being so excited that they can be super cool, heroic heroes as well. Absolutely. And I love the fact that confidence and small group dynamics is something Mm -hmm. that children pick up on right away. Uh, When you put them in that role of, 
well, what do you want to do? But more importantly, as a group, how are you going to resolve this challenge? And they mm-hmm. come together and they have to share ideas and they have, and as the, as the dungeon master, especially for young players or for teens, uh, if you take that active role of being the moderator of that discussion and helping everyone find their voice and be able to share their ideas and say, well, hold on, hold on. What, what do you want to do? You haven't said anything. All, all mm-hmm. the, 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 the extroverts are talking a lot, but let's ask, <laughs> let's ask the introvert what he thinks or she thinks is the best yep. course of action. And then that confidence that, that, Hey, my opinion matters. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm contributing to this. That com- all comes out. And that, that that's phenomenal. I so think having the parents involved helped as well, because these were uh, intergenerational, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I guess is a word uh, campaigns. So it also helped to build some of that, um, that bond through gaming between the families, the siblings, the parents, but also I think a little bit of trust when it comes to communicating because the parents were engaged, but not driving things mm-hmm. at all. They were letting the kids go. They may help to facilitate here and there. Maybe some of them played D and D before, or they were dragged into it because their kids wanted to learn. <laughs> Uh, but it was a very, very uh, unique experience for me. And it just, it was so very inspiring seeing these families interact. Oh, before we get too far away from it, I'm going to get in trouble if mm-hmm. I don't ask. Now, you mentioned you were the oldest of a large family. <laughs> We've got a lot of large families listening. So they want to yeah. know just how large are we talking? How many siblings do you have? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> See, I'm going to count to make sure I don't leave anyone out because I have that many. So I have, let's see. Seven. Wow. And, and are you guys all real close together or in years or are you spread apart? We're a little bit spread apart. Okay. Um, and because I have to travel a lot for my work, I don't get to go home as often as I would like anymore. And especially with, with COVID and travel, they're all back in the U S and I'm currently in Belgium. Uh, but I miss them very much. And whenever the next family reunion is, we're going to be playing some games. Fantastic. And guaranteed. uh, What is your Mm. advice for sitting down at the table and getting started uh, for those new families who are coming into the hobby? I would say three things. Do not get stressed out by the rules. They are just a tool for telling the story. And they can be adapted. There are so many house rules and, and homebrew kinds of things out there. Second, it's a fantastic opportunity to reconnect with your inner child. And I think that's something as adults, we tend to lose sight of, lose touch with over time, which is very easy to do in today's world. But it always takes me back to, if I can assume to call myself an adult, it always takes me back to bedtime stories with my little, uh, with my younger sisters and, and brothers. And it's such a wonderful cozy, a familiar feeling. So do not be afraid to reconnect with your inner child either. And also let the kids lead. 
because they have so many incredible ideas. And if, if they're pulling you into this, that means they're excited and passionate to share it with you. And you will be amazed at what kind of crazy, ridiculous, and amazing stories that they can come up with. That's incredible. So you do this game day for the store to help mm. them revitalize their, their children's department in gaming. But then you start doing this on your own. And you mentioned with some of the families that were there at that original workshop. So how does that transition happen to Certainly. form? So within it's partially because of the structure of the workshops. Um, through the workshops, teaching kids about the different storytelling mechanics of, of plot progression and all of that, but of course, using D&D as the vehicle. So each day of the workshop, we would have different activities where you are describing things using the five senses. Then you are exploring perspectives and they would together create some NPCs to fit into a plot that they collaboratively came up with together. And then by the end, because I didn't put the emphasis on teaching them about advantage, disadvantage, and rolling, we saved that for the final day to learn more about the basic, basic watered down rules um, of D&D, like the core of the, of the system. And then they took turns running the plot that they came up with themselves with the scene descriptions that they wrote with the NPCs. So I would take everything that they created themselves, kind of weave it together into a one shot, print it off on separate pages. Each child got a page and they would run that scene. So it would be a rotating DM kind of thing. They all made their characters as well. So everyone was still involved. So there was a heist adventure. There was an escape kind of adventure. And they were just so excited about these stories that they asked, hey, can we just keep this going? Can we keep playing, wow. please? Because they also forged friendships together over those few days. So they didn't want it to end. They didn't want... Uh, the story to to be over. So we then transitioned from the bookshop to a local cafe and we would meet every couple of weeks, at least once a month if we could. Uh, we split into two groups as well for the two workshop groups that, that made it through that wanted to keep going. And that was how the uh, original Heroes of Ayastera campaigns began because this was all off stream offline before I started the blog and the Twitch streaming and all of that. They are the original heroes of Ayastera. That is beautiful. And I think it's so amazing that it was, it was so much more dynamic than this is how you play D and D teaching them really the literary story, the hero's journey, teaching mm -hmm. them that first. And then it wasn't just a player's workshop, but you literally transform these children into fledgling dungeon masters and mm -hmm. allowing them to create plots and NPCs. And then to all of them get to take a turn running uh, parts of the story. Uh, I mean, that right there just takes it to a whole other level. And then the fact that they didn't want to stop and you felt like, well, well then the next 
next step is for us to start campaigning together. And that is incredible. So the original heroes of Ayastera, are they, are, are they still, are they still gaming together? Do they still keep in touch with you to the families? Are they, are they still connected? Yes. Before, because of course I had to move. This was in England uh, when all of this happened, but unfortunately work required me to move again, um, which of course is exciting for me, but it was very sad because I missed them so much and we had such a good time. Uh, but as I knew that we were getting closer to me having to move, started again, passing that screen, passing the DM screen to the kids. So as far as uh, from what I last heard from, from a couple of the parents that I'll still exchange messages with when, we, when we're able to, uh, the campaigns are still going and the kids are running them. Whether it's continuing to have the same characters or creating new worlds, new campaigns, one of the uh, DMs now who has taken that screen, taken that torch, started off as one of the shy ones. And then she was so excited and, and so into the storytelling that she decided to take that leap and write her own story about uh, training dragons and adventuring into the world. That is incredible. And one of the things we like to emphasize here on Raised on D&D is that bond that's created at the table. Wow. How incredibly powerful it is, not only for us as individuals, as friends, um, in our teens and in our adult years, how playing games with, with people, especially tabletop role-playing games, we, can, uh, we suddenly become battle buddies from fighting trolls and, uh, and going after dragon treasure. Absolutely. <laughs> and then yeah. those, those friendships last forever. And mm. the fact that, that the, that short time of the workshop forged such friendships among those children and those families that they said, we have to continue it. And even now, these years later, uh, you have, you've, you've taken that introverted, not sure, young person and have made them this dynamic dungeon master who now facilitates a table for family and friends. And that, that is a, a torch, like you mentioned, that will be passed on from them as well. So that is just mm -hmm. remarkable. Now, moving forward, you started the blog and mm -hmm. you started the Twitch channel. And so tell us how that transition happened so scrivthebard.com, I was so uh, inspired by these families and by these kids that I started writing articles about family-friendly D&D, about running the table, about different design and writing considerations, because that's one of the common questions that comes up. How do you handle more serious topics when writing and designing for, a, for kids or a mixed age table? Because the youngest player at the table was about six when we started and the oldest had to have been 13, 14. So definitely a, a broader range of ages, but they all were equally into it, equally involved. So yeah, I started writing articles, talking about the campaigns, sharing some of the adventures that they got into, which turned into uh, the series of Heroes of Ayastera adventures that ended up typing up, 
self-publishing, I suppose, on the website. <clears throat> but they inspired all of that. And I, I am very happy about that kind of storytelling legacy. Families who are listening who are not familiar with the heroes of Ayastera, I know lots of your fans are listening, but for folks that it's it's brand new to them, <clears throat> um, are they able to go uh, to uh, your website and download those adventures uh, uh, online? Yes. And the workshop program is free down is for free download as wow. well as some of, or as well as some of the other resources that I used in the workshop, like the simplified character sheet uh, for kids designed a, a different sort of page. That's a little bit easier on the eyes, a little bit more streamlined and easier for kids to fill in um, if they are younger players. So all of that is at scriptthebard.com. It's yeah, been a while nice. since I wrote some articles because I have now shifted to some other projects, but I'm determined to get back to it. But I've got over a hundred articles on there. There's, there's a backlog. <laughs> so if anyone is curious, it should keep you going for a little while. <laughs> that is awesome. And so now you have a new project coming out and it's about to kickstart. Now, have it you is. done a Kickstarter before? Is this your very first Kickstarter? This is my first Kickstarter. I've contributed oh to Kickstarters before, but this mm. is my first one. So I was very careful about choosing the team who had helped me bring this to life. And I could not be happier with, with the Ayastera family or rather the Bard RPG family that has come together for it. I couldn't and do it without them. I, I really, really couldn't. So give us a sneak peek about what the Kickstarter is going to be about and mm. uh, and tell us a little bit about what we can expect uh, when the Kickstarter successfully gets kickstarted. Absolutely. So Bard RPG is a tabletop role-playing game where you harness the power of unique archetypes to tell your story and drive the plot forward. That's literally the tagline on the Kickstarter page. Uh, so it is a genre agnostic family-friendly, all-ages friendly system. So you can use it with a fantasy story, fantasy setting, Western, sci-fi, horror, whatever you'd like, uh, inspired by different uh, concepts within literary analysis and psychology. So using the Jungian archetypes as inspiration for different will and ability sub-archetypes to create your character, uh, you use story threads, you use plot points, a story wheel, plot twist, bonds, wishes, all those different things to encourage reflection, to encourage deliberate action in your storytelling. It's very much character-driven storytelling versus plot-driven storytelling, and to encourage the players to explore and grow together. There's wow. a little snapshot, I guess. I've been a dungeon master game master for over 30 years now. I'm very, very old. And, uh, and so, uh, so, uh, experienced. I've, yes. I'm very, and very wise. experienced. Um, and, uh, I, I've played dozens of different systems. The way I enjoy running tabletop role-playing games is character driven. Uh, mm. I, I love it the most when the characters are, are guiding the story 
not just through the plot, but through character development, um, through character growth and, and, and depth. And that's the, that's the beauty of campaigning. You're not just leveling up. Your character is growing in that hero's journey. They're finding the, the character's voice and depth mm-hmm. and the depth of the character. And that's, I think, where a lot of the exploration in emotion and, and, and the thought process of walking that mile in another person's shoes comes Absolutely. from. And the idea that Bard RPG is specifically designed to do that <laughs> makes it so, so much better because you're, <laughs> you're, you. letting the, you're letting the game master know right off the rip, this is the, for the player's to create a story together. So the whole table kind of, kind of takes kind of the, a lot of the pressure off the game master because mm-hmm. it's much more collaborative than me making a story, presenting it and hoping that they don't turn, turn it into a complete dumpster fire by being murder hobos. Right. You know, <laughs> so, <In there. laughs> right. And, we, and so, so it's, that's amazing. So I support a lot of Kickstarters uh, by jumping in there right away and, and getting mm-hmm. in that early, oh, that's that early supporter. <laughs> I love doing that. So do you have that? You have that in place? Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. So go check it out. <laughs> we're going to provide uh, the link uh, to the Kickstarter uh, from mm-hmm. our website. And of course, through all our socials. Oh, thank uh, you so much. When it comes to Kickstarters, mm-hmm. what I love is the stretch goals. So, Oh yeah. I want to know, <laughs> I want to know what, what, what is maybe your favorite as of right now, stretch goal idea that you hope will get funded. Okay. So I've got a few things that I'm really excited about. First of all, we are having what we call a scribbler hug. A lot of my followers on Twitter and Twitch, they're called scribblers. So the Scribbler Hug in this Kickstarter is the uh, presentation of community copies because there's also going to be a PDF version of this going to release a Bard RPG SRD as a stretch goal because I want people to take this and run with it. I want to see it evolve and grow out in the wild. I want it to be accessible. We're also going to have some guest writers Uh, as a stretch goal as well to help to uh, bring to life the story map system. So another part of Bard RPG, there will be a GM-less, narrator-less playstyle option. Wow. Within a short story, uh, story map format. So I'm really excited about that one. But I think with all of that, there's going to be a team pay raise as well if we make it to that stretch goal because the artists and editors and designers are absolutely worth it. And I am adamant about making sure people are paid what their work is, is worth. But the biggest stretch goal in there is actually to unlock the Wanderer's Guide to Ayastera campaign book, a setting book. Wow, a setting book for all... So this is just the system, but <sighs> if it is somehow wildly successful and I can only hope and cross my fingers, but it will unlock an Ayastera setting book. Now I know a lot, a lot of your fans who have been watching the Twitch campaign are over the moon excited about (laughs) getting their own setting book for Ayastera. Now, where are we so far in the campaign on Twitch? Um, how many mm. how many sessions in are we? Um, how how long has the has the Twitch channel campaign been going on? 
So the Heroes of Ayasera campaign has been going on for over a year now. Wow. And we are solidly into uh, chapter three, probably getting closer to chapter four at this stage. We started off as I, we call it 5E Fusion D&D, but it has since completely transitioned to Bard RPG. And I'm using Heroes of Ayasera and Outpost 5 as live, completely out there playtesting for, for the system. So we're creating it and experiencing it as we're going along, refining the rules and the mechanics. So for folks who are hearing about this for the very first time right here on Raised on <laughs> D&D podcast, and they're super excited about the whole concept oh of Bar- Bard RPG, they can go to the Twitch channel, they can watch you playing it, uh, running it, and they can learn how to play Bard RPG mm-hmm. before the Kickstarter even finishes. Yes. And when they get their copy of the Kickstarter, they'll they'll know exactly what they're doing and how to run it. So that is incredible. That's and we'll hook. make and there's a YouTube channel as well because you won't see the backlog all of it on Twitch. But if you go to youtubecom the Bard, you can see all of our campaign episodes as well as the uh, kind of original Kickstarter planning session for Bard RPG. Well, there's nothing I like more than binging some amazing episodes of <laughs> oh, a gosh, lot of actual like <laughs> play. So, so mm. that sounds like uh, I got my weekend planned for me and catch oh, up boy. on a year of uh, Heroes of Ayastera. So thank you so much for that. And we're going to check out the YouTube, the Twitch channel, and we're definitely going to jump in on the Kickstarter. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited. We're excited for you and and thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. We, this was so much fun. <laughs> we are so excited about everything you got going on and uh, can't wait, cannot wait to start following you on Twitch and YouTube. Thank you. Thank you.